So it was the Lord's intention from the, before the world began that he would adopt children. Uh, that's what uh, predestination is unto. Uh, for many people, a dirty theological word. Uh, but that's just because the flesh resists all the truth of God. Uh, and it is a precious uh, theological truth. Uh, but predestination, of course, is not just that we would be uh, forgiven of our sins. That's a necessary step in the middle of God's accomplishing what it is for. But as you know from Ephesians 1, it's predestination unto adoption as the children of God, uh, chosen in the beloved in, in the Lord Jesus. And in Romans 8, predestination is to be predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So all of creation, all of history, all of redemption is the execution of an adoption plan. Uh, and when the Lord was uh, making these creatures whom he would make in his image, the only ones, uh, the only things in all of creation or new creation that would be made in his image, uh, he made first for us a material world. It's his idea. It's not a bad thing. A uh, material world uh, in which to enjoy his goodness. He, he created the world and he created our capacity to perceive it and experience it and to act in it uh, that we might know him who had made us for himself. And he gave us a place of imaging him in this material world that he made in a way that displays that of all his creatures, these are the ones who are made in his image. These are the ones who are made for himself, who are made not only to work in his world, but especially to have fellowship with the living God, to have aspects to our knowledge of and interaction with him uh, that uh, not only none of the lower creatures have, but not even the angels have uh, in the fellowship that we have. Uh, with God in our adoption as his children and are being made uh, in his image. Uh, and so the material world as the first way by which we enjoy him, by which we serve him, and by which we display that we are in his image is very important. Uh, the Sabbath day was not uh, the only uh, important work that was given to man. Uh, yes, on the Sabbath day, we rest from our works in the creation. We act upon God. It's the crowning uh, event at the climax of the whole creation uh, account. Uh, but that which we do in the six, being fruitful and multiplying, subduing the earth, uh, taking dominion over the creatures, uh, uh, is also very important. Uh, and it is as we do those things that we facilitate our ability to keep the Sabbath, and uh, it's in doing those things that we uh, demonstrate that we are made in the image of God for the enjoyment of God. Uh, so there's always been this, uh, this worship-facilitating, worship-serving aspect to our work in the creation uh, throughout the week. And this is something that uh, back when... and it's been long enough now that we'll probably recover, uh, not recover, we haven't lost Act 6, but we're going to cover again uh, Act 6. Uh, but when we were in Act 6, we saw that uh, in the establishing of the diaconal leadership of the church over the diaconal service of the church, and remember those are two different things, 
everyone whom the Lord saves is called to diaconal service, is called to enjoy the Lord and steward, uh, in stewarding the material things that he has given us uh, and using them to minister and display, not now only that we have been created in his image, but that in Jesus Christ we have been redeemed, renewed into the image of God. Uh, Christ, who is the last Adam, who is Adam as uh, he was supposed to be but fell from, and who is Israel as Israel was supposed to be but never was. This redeemed people whose good laws, both governing their worship and their, uh, their work, their treatment of the poor and material things and uh, caring about others and how you own your property and all of those things that we saw, uh, Israel was supposed to be a display in part of the difference in, in how we function in God's world, the difference that is made by God's redeeming us out from under sin. Uh, but Israel as a nation was never a display of that. Uh, and now finally Christ is the perfect display of that and his church is supposed to be a display of that. Uh, that's one of the places where church discipline and diaconal ministry overlap uh, is not just in uh, the inward spiritual graces, but the outward working of those graces in our lives. Christians are supposed to be uh, demonstrating that our use of and approach to material things has been renewed in Christ, the true Israel, the last Adam, to the glory of God who has adopted us in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the first great act of church discipline that the Holy Spirit carried out himself was in a context of uh, uh, diaconal mishandling, wasn't it? Ananias and Sapphira using the giving ministry of the church to try to advance themselves and exalt themselves. Uh, and so we see the significance of uh, the necessity of the church obeying God and stewarding material things in a way that reflects the grace of God. Uh, in fact, what we have most recently seen as we have been uh, going through this biblical theology of the diaconate uh, is that Israel's failure to do so was actually central to the offenses uh, for which God judged them, for which God put them out of the land, exiled them, uh, and brought them uh, under great uh, and severe judgment. Uh, well, now we are fast-forwarding uh, to when Israel has returned, uh, and we're even uh, fast-forwarding uh, past the construction of the new temple, which, uh, which does have some diaconal aspects to it, uh, but what we are considering now, or what we're looking at now, is how even after they had been restored from the exile, even after a new temple had been built, uh, and actually we're going to look at it a little bit. I see that uh, I've scribbled in on my copy uh, to make sure to say something about Haggai. So we will, we will look a, a little bit at that, but we're not going to go through uh, the Ezra-Nehemiah material. Uh, of the building of the temple. Uh, but even after they have a new temple, they continue in uh, the sins, and not just a few of them, but as a whole, they continue uh, in those sins, in uh, facilitating the worship of God with material things, 
uh, in making sure uh, to keep the Sabbath in a way that shows God as the giver uh, of the six days and the pleasure of the seventh day uh, and uh, failure uh, to care even uh, for the poor. Uh, and that at the, uh, at the close of the Old Testament in Malachi, uh, which we may or may not get to today, at the close of the Old Testament, uh, they are still uh, in the matter of tithes and offerings, in the matter of uh, not honoring God and displaying his goodness and his generosity with what they do with the poor who are around them. Uh, they are still failing uh, to be displays uh, of enjoyers of God's goodness to them and displayers of his goodness by their goodness to others uh, in the use of material things. Uh, so, uh, it's obviously, it's not the first part of the book, but uh, it is the first thing in the use, uh, or the, uh, the thing of greatest priority uh, in our service of God in the use of material things. Uh, we consider first how they continued not to prioritize worship. Uh, Nehemiah 13. And, you know what, just stick a finger in Nehemiah 13. I scribbled it in later, but I think uh, we'll go ahead and uh, deal with uh, Haggai, or Haggai. Yeah. Easiest way to get there is um, find Zechariah or Malachi at the end of your Old Testament and turn left. Tiny little book uh, right before Zechariah. Now the Lord had mercifully uh, resumed uh, some of the covenant uh, curses. Uh, he'd hindered their economy. Uh, as you see in verse 6, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages. Uh, to put into a bag with holes. Um, and this may not have uh, been a hurt that came from the non-productivity of the land. This may well have been uh, an economical hurt that came from lack of contentment and lack of wisdom uh, in what they did with what they had. The reason we say that is if you go a couple verses earlier, uh, you will see the problem. Verse 4, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And this temple to lie in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says Yahweh of hosts, consider your ways. Uh, and then he picks that up after uh, what we read first in verse 6. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says Yahweh. Uh, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little when you brought it home. I blew it away. Why, says Yahweh of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, on all the labor of your hands. Uh, so it was indeed both. 
that he both restrained uh, what they were able to, to produce, but also uh, when they, whatever they did bring home was blown away, or as the proverb describes it, uh, riches sprout wings uh, and fly away. Uh, so even when uh, they had been restored to the land, they still did not prioritize the worship of God first. Uh, this, of course, is something that we still learn to do. Uh, the Lord gives us uh, not just a tithe, but a uh, command that we should each determine in our hearts what we should give, uh, so that we may cheerfully give in a way that demonstrates the superiority of Christ over the tabernacle and temple that came before. Uh, and so we should be uh, giving at least 10 and more than 10 uh, percent of uh, of uh, what we uh, earn uh, in order to facilitate the worship of God, the discipling of his people in the means of grace, uh, and the spread of the gospel, the proclamation uh, of the gospel uh, to those who have not heard it and in places uh, where it has not been heard. Uh, and after we have given uh, whatever we in our cheerful uh, spirit-transformed hearts that recognize that it is the, the knowledge of God and the worship of God that is the priority of this entire age and this entire world, uh, then it is that we, uh, that we turn to other things uh, and uh, em enjoy and employ what God has given us in a way that recognizes he's the one who's given it to us, so we don't attempt to be miserable and uh, and penniless, uh, the seeking of personal poverty does not uh, enjoy him as the giver, uh, but also as we employ it, uh, we employ it with uh, a, a generous heart and an open hand, especially focused, first of all, on our brethren who are united to Christ, who are the living stones uh, out of which the temple um, is now built, the spiritual house, spiritual temple is now built. Uh, but also doing good to all, uh, even though it is especially uh, to the household of faith. Well, even after they had uh, built the temple, uh, Nehemiah uh, returns uh, at one point uh, to Jerusalem, uh, and he discovers uh, a disastrous condition. Uh, he discovers that uh, the temple property is being abused. Uh, Tobiah, of course, is, uh, is not a Jew, uh, and he has been a persecutor of the people of God. Uh, and now there are, there are uh, priests, and even the high priest uh, is in cahoots with him and allowing him to use uh, uh, the temple, uh, not just the temple precinct, but even the storeroom, that was for both the worship of God and the storing of things for the care of the Levites. Uh, and so there was abuse of the temple property. There was failure to take care of the needs of the priests. Uh, and uh, there was Sabbath breaking, uh, which, of course, fails to recognize God as the giver uh, of all material things, the one who enables us uh, to have anything and the one whom we are to enjoy in everything that we have. 
Uh, and then uh, these things all combined um, uh, in a failure to maintain religion in the family uh, and the, the mixture of, uh, or the alliance connection between Eliashib's house and Tobiah's house uh, even resulted in uh, failure uh, to, uh, uh, to obey God in whom uh, he would marry or whom his son would marry uh, and uh, failure to lead his house uh, spiritually. Uh, so we have uh, Nehemiah 13, verse 4. Now before this, Eliashib the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a large room where previously they had stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the new wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the gatekeepers, and the offerings for the priests. But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. And after certain days, I obtained leave from the king, and I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly. Therefore I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room, and I commanded them to cleanse the rooms. And I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. Uh, and so this is, uh, a perpetual problem because if the first and best of, uh, of God's people's material possessions are being gathered and set aside and given uh, for the work of worship and for the work of the Lord, uh, there are always those who uh, either on the one hand uh, uh, are uh, such weak wheat as it were that they appear as tares you know, there's so much remaining sin and so much backsliding uh, that uh, they are not giving good demonstration of their conversion. Uh, and then also there are always tares uh, in the church. There are always those who are sinful. Uh, and what do you get when you mix uh, people who either are converted and, and yet their remaining sin is expressing itself or people who are not at all converted with uh, collecting the first and best of the material things uh, of a wider group of people. You get abuse of the property. Uh, my, uh, my first call uh, was to a very, very little uh, uh, old country church, uh, not quite as old as this one. I think it was eight years younger than this one. Um, but uh, there was uh, a session of two, and one was a converted man, and one was not. Uh, and the one who was not was very wealthy, uh, had married into the church from the Northeast. Not that everything Yankee is bad, but uh, that's just the historical facts of his life. And, uh, and her daddy uh, had been an elder in the church, so he kind of married into the eldership. He became... A new elder in the church, and uh, and they had uh, a farm that they used uh, basically uh, to launder money. He, the money that came into the farm and ran through the church and came out uh, in such a way that 
uh, you know, he saved tens of thousands of dollars uh, uh, in taxes every year. Uh, and it was only when uh, we reformed enough to the place that we uh, ordained our, uh, our first set of deacons in a long time and took over the books from him uh, that we discovered uh, what had been done with the money uh, for a couple of decades at that point. This kind of thing, maybe not uh, that scandalously, uh, but this kind of thing where things, the, the, uh, the earthly treasure of the people of God is being gathered, uh, and it is, uh, it is to be uh, employed for the purposes for which it was given, and it is offensive to God uh, to employ it uh, for other purposes. And we've already me- mentioned um, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. This is uh, a problem that continues in the church and requires church disciplines. Well, uh, that was that was something uh, that was part of the ongoing sin uh, of Israel, even after they had been restored from the exile, even after the temple had been built. We see also that they were uh, failing to take care of those who were supposed to be leading the worship. Uh, now, how are the Levites going to attend? Uh, to facilitating the worship of God uh, if they have to be uh, working full-time in order uh, to take care of their own household. Uh, Verses 10 through 14, I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them, for each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Now, one of the things that I've started to hear a lot of um, uh, in the synod and in church planting circles and so forth uh, is uh, is this praise of, quote-unquote, tent-making ministry, right? Taking Paul, who intentionally traveled uh, without a wife and children, and maybe his wife had died, or maybe he was a very, very odd Pharisee who was not married. It would be uh, extremely unusual for him uh, not, not to have been married. Uh, but Paul traveled as a single man. He preached night and day, and uh, at times, uh, especially in Corinth, uh, he worked with his hands. Uh, and now uh, we are told, uh, well, you know, tent-making ministry is really the, uh, is really the way to go. Uh, But if you have tent-making ministry, and if you have married ministers who are the husband of one wife and being fruitful and multiplying and uh, discipling their wife and their children in the home, uh, you're running out of space for them to be able to, uh, uh, to labor in something else uh, for, uh, for the earthly maintenance of their family. Uh, Indeed, when Paul talks about it, he says you should not muzzle the oxen, that those whose labor is in preaching and teaching should get their living from it. It is not a good thing for the church to accumulate for itself tent-making ministers. It's a good thing for the church to have men who have studied and trained theologically so that they can, in the way that Timothy was advanced by Uh, his study in the knowledge of God and the knowledge of God's word 
uh, and uh, uh, knowledge of theological things and growth in spiritual things and in spiritual maturity to advance even uh, beyond uh, those of more years uh, than he in the faith. Uh, notice you don't have uh, something similar to the role for the widows uh, at a minimum age of 60, uh, although it might protect the church from some problems if we had a minimum age of 60. Uh, but it is good to have those uh, through whom the Lord facilitates his worship on earth able to give themselves entirely uh, to the facilitating uh, of that worship and to that ministry. But that's not where the Levites were when Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem. Where were the Levites when Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem? They were out in the fields working because their wife and children have to eat. So I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse Shalomiah the priest and Zadok the scribe and of the Levites, Bediah. And next to them was Hanan the son of Zakor, the son of Mathaniah, for they were considered faithful and their task was to distribute to their brethren. Remember me, O my God, concerning this and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. Uh, which, by the way, the doctrine of reward for good works needs to be recovered. Good works do not merit anything from God. They can't. They're not good enough to begin with, and they were only done by the grace of Christ. We do not earn anything by our good works. But God repeatedly in Scripture tells us that he gives rewards for good works. They're not rewards on the basis of earning. The rewards on the basis of grace, on the basis of gift. And God who glorifies himself first in making those whom he redeems to be copies of Jesus and how they live, also second glorifies himself by being pleased to reward them often in this life, but certainly uh, also in the next. There are lesser and greater uh, in the kingdom of heaven. There are rewards that can be stored up that moth uh, does not eat and fire does not destroy and thieves do not steal. There is such a thing, even as we're going to hear uh, in God's providence this morning in 1 Timothy 6, there's such a thing as being rich in good works. Uh, not only... Uh, laying up a foundation uh, for the future, uh, but, uh, but being rich in those good works. Uh, so uh, Nehemiah uh, wishes, uh, you know, the darkness hates the light because its deeds are evil, uh, but those who are righteous, uh, those who, are, uh, who do good, they love the light. Why? So that it can be seen that their deeds are done in God, uh, is what John, uh, John 3 says. Uh, all right, so uh, he addresses the abuse of the temple property. Uh, he throws out uh, Tobiah. Uh, he addresses the failure to pay the priests. Uh, he, uh, and he asks God to remember those things. Uh, this is not to, uh, to no effect. Remember, it was precisely 
for the disregard of the worship of God, the disregard uh, of doing the right thing with material things uh, that was uh, a significant part of why God had judged his people. Uh, and then the Sabbath breaking. Uh, and uh, with uh, uh, I think with, with this we'll have to uh, finish up today. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and I said to them, What evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And so it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates, so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. Uh, this too, uh, we don't have time uh, right now to do a, an entire exposition of how, uh, as Isaiah 58 this describes, it's in uh, the age of the Christ, the, the suffering servant, the new Israel, uh, that Sabbath keeping finally is done as a delight. Uh, uh, it's when you find that Christ is the one who brings you into his rest, uh, that he has earned for you, and that he brings you into by his words through which he addresses you, uh, which was prophesied in Psalm 95 and Hebrews 3 and 4. Uh, you know, hammers over and over again the necessity of continuing with him and responding to his word with which he addresses us because he is our rest and he is bringing us into his rest and when we rest from our works in this world we will enter his rest and that the one of the key things the one of the key means by which he does that is by the sabbatismon the sabbath keeping that remains uh uh, Hebrews 4, verse 9. Uh, and, uh, and one of the things that we show uh, in that Sabbath keeping that remains when we set everything else aside and just have the worship of God on his day, which is now known as the Lord's Day, the special day of Jesus. Uh, uh, and uh, one of the things that we show is that we trust that it's the Lord who gives us our daily bread through the work of the other six days. Uh, if we are constantly finding oxen in ditches, which, by the way, has more to do with mercy to the ox 
than it does with making sure that your business does better. Uh, I have to do this so my business does better is not an ox in a ditch. It is an excuse uh, in the flesh. Um, but if we're constantly uh, finding uh, reasons that we have to do this or, uh, or it's not going to go well uh, for us economically, uh, we're demonstrating that we don't trust the Lord Jesus to take care of us through six days a week of work uh, like he gave us. And that it's not the Lord Jesus uh, at, whom, uh, at whose praise we are aiming uh, and at whose worship we aim to enjoy. Um, I don't think we'll do uh, verses 23 through 30 here, uh, but one of the reasons the Levites really needed uh, to be taken care of was so that they would be able to set an example to the rest of Israel uh, in how they lived, how they discipled their families. Uh, Israel were intermarrying uh, with the pagans in the land, uh, and the Levites, instead of being uh, an example of the opposite, uh, were leading the way. The high priest's family uh, was, uh, was involved in this. Uh, and part of the, uh, part of the reason uh, was uh, that, the, that the Levites uh, were uh, engaged in and employed in uh, worldly things. Um, I think we've just got to stop there. Uh, next week, Lord's willing, we'll, Lord, Lord willing, we'll finish up um, in Zechariah and pick up the abuse of the poor in chapter 5 uh, and the end uh, of, the, of the Old Testament in Malachi 3. Um, that's not the last chapter in Malachi. But let's pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you and praise you that you have saved us uh, from our sin, from uh, what we became in our first father Adam, what we have demonstrated ourselves to be in the nature uh, that uh, we fell into uh, with him. Uh, we thank you that you have given us Christ not only to be the righteousness who is counted for us, uh, but even as you have been making us to hear um, in the midweek that uh, you have also given us a new nature from him, uh, that we might become more and more like him uh, until we will have been made righteous, will have been conformed to his image. We pray, Lord, that you would be glorified by the increase of that work of conforming us to his image, even in how we approach our daily work, even in what we do with the good things that you provide for us by means of that work, and especially by prioritizing your worship in all of our life. Uh, grant, then, the work of your Spirit to bless to us what we have heard from your word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.